Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Deepak Dhar, who is the co-founder of Repute Network, which is empowering businesses and individuals to exchange content-based verified data and platform uh, to perform secure transactions uh, seamlessly. Hi Deepak, welcome to ELI. Thank you, Priyavindu. Pleasure to be here. I would request you to introduce yourself. Sure, sure. I'm Deepak Dhar. As you told, I'm founder of Repute. Uh, prior to founding Repute, I was one of the co-founders of Nestway Technologies, which is a home rental platform. Mm -hmm. And prior to Nestway, I was one of the founding members of Citrus Payment Solutions, which was a payment gateway later acquired by PU. So I've been in the startup ecosystem for about uh, 11, 12 years now. Tell us a bit about Repute Network. Sure. Uh, Repute uh, as such is a business network which is connecting the business systems. But why connect business systems when we already have one system? Hmm. If you look at it, today both of us have to talk to each other. Right. Uh, so both of us need to be on Zoom. Hmm. And uh, Zoom may be a preferred application for you. Maybe Zoom was not a preferred application for me. But still, I had to, uh, both of, one of us had to compromise, maybe based on depending whatever is uh, needed to make this call happen. And both of us came on us application. Let's call this, this is more of a platform approach mm -hmm. that both have to be on the same platform uh, for us to uh, be able to interact, to be able to transact uh, or do anything else. Uh, this was primarily, I'll put it out, a web two phenomena, like web one will be a one way street of communication which was that somebody published data onto the websites and somebody consumed data, which is uh, being published by the publisher on that. And Web2 became where the collaboration on both sides started and that created a, a set of uh, systems, let's say, or platforms in that either these are marketplaces where there's a buyer and seller or there's a social media where there are two parties who are interacting on the same side with each other or it might be maybe the SaaS tools also, which is where there is the service provisioning is not by a service provider, but by a software. But still, it's it's a platform where multiple softwares are there. So this was a platform era that was there. I think last 15 years was a platform era, to put it back, the marketplaces platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, and this created this limitation where both of us needed to be on the same platform uh, for right. it to work. Mm -hmm. But email was not like that. Email is like, you might be on Outlook, I might be on Gmail, but I can send an email to you. Yeah, and uh, so that is uh, uh, not necessarily limited to a platform. We can be on any platforms and still it can work with each other. Mm. So email is more built on a network, and there's a standardized protocol that has been built up, and that is where and, and it enables a very very different kind of, of flexibility and innovation that can happen because I am not the users are not really tied up to a platform because other users are already there or buyers are not tied up to a platform because other sellers are already there. So the whole lot of uh, new uh, things can be built simply because now the solution is not that big of a problem if you can bring uh, to this particular network. And so it's, it's not a problem where you had to scale up everything together to be able to make use of something. It's like a lot of buyers are already there. You introduce a different kind of a seller app into the ecosystem and that works uh i'll give you an example of uh, sure. this is like say paytm and all the digital wallets that existed earlier 
so they were like the buyer and i mean the merchant also had to be on the same digital wallet the user also had to be the payer also had to be on the same digital wallet right um, and and that got disrupted uh, by say upi which is a network approach mm. and uh, in the upi i might be using a full pay app or a google pay app to scan a barcode qr code to move my money from my icic account to merchant stfc account so see mm-hmm. service providers were different there were two banks the merchant right. service provider is a stfc bank our service provider was icic bank mm-hmm. i was using a different system which is a, a app for myself and probably the uh, merchant side is using something else but still mm-hmm. you could make this use case happen and now this unleashes a lot of innovation that is possible between different uh, players what kind of services can be done what kind of things can be built in the interfaces the same is what we are looking at is uh, that these have to have in every ecosystem that exists uh, the centralized platform are limiting the amount of use cases that are possible on that and such networks can exist then these networks can talk to each other say uh, and to begin with we have started with a ecosystem which is really called the talent ecosystem or the professional ecosystem okay. why with professional ecosystem uh, is let's say when when uh, uh, say linkedin happened say 2004 5 mm. uh, maybe around that time uh, and there was b- before linkedin we had uh, say standalone maybe uh, classifieds the nokri or mm. things like that where you can post a job you can post right. a job and somebody can apply to that particular job so Yeah. kind of a one way street maybe two way street where something will happen but it was basically a resume online uh, yes. and then uh, job jobs online then linkedin came in linkedin told uh, we'd create a better uh, trust among people how do we do it is uh, you will be connected to multiple other people so not just it's a uh, uh resume which is going to stay up to date because this is your professional network profile so you would want to keep it updated but also because there are multiple other uh, connections so it will give trust to the parties but eventually it is still a uh, resume plus my connections to other people it worked mm-hmm. well for some time like facebook as a social network would work for something else mm-hmm. um over a period of time we reached a stage where i am very very confident that out of uh, all the connections that you have on linkedin mm. i mean beyond 50% uh, and 50% is the best answer that i have received so far okay uh, you would not know the people that you are connected to true so it's it, it has reached that stage so those connections are not really providing much meaning right now mm. that that is done. so it's basically still we are back to being having a resume so how does a professional network work like that and uh, so that is where we said that let this resume be something which is continuously getting updated on its own uh, even a user does not have to where is my resume my resume is already distributed across the hr ecosystem mm. the different hr systems already have my job profile or what designation i had what tenure i had everything else that is there so it's a distributed uh, hr system i can put it out uh, which is or will give me my distributed linkedin sorry by connecting all to all the hr systems i can get to that Okay. Uh, so this is my me as a user use case mm-hmm. uh, various now the, the now the trust use cases that linkedin was attempting to solve uh, comes up further because now this information is accurate is not because i am saying it mm. uh, this accurate information is accurate because there's an employer who is saying it and employer system who is saying this mm. uh, so my my user the employee system has become something let's say there is a 
uh, equivalent of uh, LinkedIn, which is continuously getting updated by various HR systems. So that's one profile. And this is something which an employee is using or a user is using. And then there's other profile which the employer is using, which is uh, their HR systems. And because of the interaction between my profile and the company profile mm. over this network, uh, both sides, uh, my, my profile keeps getting updated. My employer knows. Uh, if a new employer knows when I join them that yes, their information is correct. And this unleashes many more systems because now these uh, systems have, uh, can speak to each other. Then it's not necessary that all systems have been built by one vendor. It can be, uh, I can choose best of class systems who can again speak to each other in a, a privacy preserving and trust preserving manner. I can have a system which can talk to the employee system. I can, so mm-hmm. one is this unbundling unleashes uh, specialization mm-hmm. in terms of uh, now people can build systems which are very specific to let's say performance management or okay. say leveling or the niche use cases which earlier could not be built because my distribution will be a problem. Can mm-hmm. be built now and these can be now uh, interoperated with the existing HR system. So I do not have to worry about that. Uh, I have to build everything, otherwise my the enterprise will not use me. That's one uh, benefit that I get. Second benefit is this interconnected network. Now I don't have to worry about, say, background verification. I can just uh, send a query on the network and I can get a, a response from the other party, my past employers. And mm-hmm. the whole process of which takes like weeks and months now gets done in seconds. And mm-hmm. third was my own as an employee use case, which is uh, I can have a updated profile all the time and it can be my system to interact with the various empire systems. Okay. Even better that comes up is now because these systems exist, mm-hmm. uh, the companies that do not have to uh, go about, say, today insurance is a use case, let's say. In an insurance mm-hmm. use case, what will happen is the company will have to go and probably sign up to the platform. Uh, and then on the other side, insurance companies are coming on the same platform. Mm. Uh, again, the old web two uh, paradigm of bringing everybody on the same platform versus as an employer, I already have my system, which is my HR system. If my HR system can talk to the insurance systems, I don't mm. really need to go to a third party system to be able to buy an insurance for my employees mm. or the use cases can be just the lending use case. As an employee, if I am looking for uh, maybe uh, salary, I mean, earned wage access use case or something. Okay. I, uh, salary advance, I don't have to uh, go and ask my employers. In the same my employer system, I can create a request which can actually go to the, uh, say, fintechs who can say, oh, I, I see the entire data, which is mm. your employment data, your designation, your tenure, your, say, income and everything else, and I can give you the software. The entire use case of creating a salary advance for the employer is t- mm-hmm. provided by the employer right in the HR system. You don't have to go about going to various places, prove your employment, prove your income, prove your, uh, say, various other things to be able to have access to uh, okay. a salary advance. So these are the use cases that we are building. Mm-hmm. But the, if you have a simple question that you asked, what is a what is a Pute network to begin with? Then the Pute is a network which is connecting systems to mm. each other and connecting systems to each other uh, requires a bunch of things and has a bunch of use cases okay so one question that comes to my mind when you build uh, a network based model it works only mm-hmm. when substantial number of nodes if you will or 
a substantial number of hr systems and companies are on board that is how you right, have a database of you know let's say significant pool let's say 70% of the candidates that are there, there in the market that is when it will work so can you tell us how you are going to solve this challenge so any network uh, which is going to have uh, to have a scale either should grow so fast like a lot of people should come at it at the same point of time and they should start using it so that when you first come on board uh, it does not seem like a burst down that nobody is here and yeah uh, it is not uh, i think we are not necessarily in the social network kind of a scene where we are looking at a very fast growth kind of thing i'll put it out uh, i think repute is more like uh, the telecom provider who is uh, going to be laying the uh, say wires for some time and after two three years once wires have been laid out everything it is ready that is the time when the service is launched and now your connections will be available and everything else so mm -hmm. we are in that uh, where we are working with the partners to build this network and okay. uh, fortunately we have already reached a stage where uh, we have 10 integrations finished there are about 20 more uh, which are in various stages of discussions and integrations and there's another 10 which not yet started but at least in principle we have some sort of agreement with them Okay. Uh, of integration. So as such, these systems are definitely moving forward. But uh, mm -hmm. to your answer, question is like when you start, uh, what do you do? A standard answer to that would be there should still be some utility uh, mm -hmm. when when somebody is coming on board. So right. your cross-site network would take time. Uh, mm -hmm. What happens for us is, uh, sorry, same side network may take time, but let's say there is an earned wage use case, which is mm. your salary advance use case. In salary advance use case for a company, let's say even if one HRM has come on board, mm. on the other side, even if there is one, uh, say, fintech company who is willing to lend, mm. still the, the transaction can happen. Employee can get a salary advance. So yeah. There is some utility that you can create on the network when you are starting. Even if there is one say uh, HRMS which is on board and within that HRMS may have 5,000 companies mm. within those 5,000 let's say there's only one company which is live right now in mm -hmm. the network but on the other side there's only one insurance broker mm. still that insurance at least can be purchased from here on the network for this person he does not have to go and uh, do that and the tools come into the picture a lot of operational tools come into the picture in terms of uh, like for insurance use case I can put it out is every month when a new employee joins the company uh the the insurer is uh, notified that this person is joined whenever somebody leaves insurer is again notified mm -hmm. so uh, initially it is the operational convenience that comes into as they say come for the tool stay for the network so initially is that people will be joining or people join for the tool and over a period of time as the network keeps growing mm -hmm. uh, the value of the network itself uh, kind of provide the reason to stay okay uh, next question that comes to my mind is on a data security front. Uh, uh, for example, yeah, uh, yeah. due to GDPR and all, uh, when it is uh, it is difficult for social media companies to you know uh, capture data and use it for purposes for, for which the user has not shared the data for. And uh, similarly, uh, the HRMS systems they are keeping the data of employers and employees. And uh, and sometimes they may not have the consent of the employer to, you know, share the data with the net with the network. And 
I think uh, when you when you scale that up with uh, multiple HRMS systems and then multiply with the number of companies they have onboarded, and then multiply with the number of employees they have uh, in their system. So uh, I think uh, there is a huge uh, permission issue where uh, you know you you may necessarily don't have the permission to get their data or use their data. How are you going to solve uh, that problem? Uh, I'll first state this out very, very clearly. Uh, okay. HR systems or anybody who is building tools, they are not really the data owners. I think that's between the partners and us. It is very, very clear. Data owners uh, are either the companies or the employees. So nothing moves or without them initiating it or giving mm-hmm. consent to it. Uh, uh, so the use case is really based on uh, how... The companies want to opt in, companies want to use the service, companies want to... Uh, so it's not something that your data has surreptitiously been given out. So it's mm. it's not the centralized place where all the data has been brought in and now this data is getting exchanged between the various parties. The data continues to stay within the firewalls of your respective systems mm-hmm. that are there. Okay? We don't bring the data onto the, uh, any centralized system. And that's that's the beauty of this. Like if we had tried to do it, can the entire world's data come onto a single HRMS? It will never happen. Mm. Uh, it is never going to happen that there is going to be one or two players who are going to take over uh, the entire enterprise SaaS, uh, mm. uh, say, market as such. Enterprise SaaS market is a largely fragmented market and will continue to stay so. Mm. Uh, so the best chance for us to make it happen is connect these systems to each other. Now, connecting these systems to each other, does that result into a, a data breach, etc.? Again, I'll go back to the previous example that we had. It's email. Mm-hmm. Just because I can send email to you does not mean I can read your email uh, mailbox right. entirely. Yeah. Or you can send uh, mail to me. It does not mean you can send. Just mm-hmm. there are uh, auto-respond rules that you can set up that uh, if such a request come from these particular people, respond to them by I am out of office and please reach back to me at this point of time. Mm-hmm. If these people mail me, then do this. So there are various auto-respond rules that you can set up. That's basically the kind of rules that you can set up here as well. That okay. if an employee verification request comes from a fintech, mm-hmm. uh, don't worry about it. This, uh, just, just read from the HRMS and reply to them. As an employer, I can set up those rules. Okay. As an employer, I can set the fine grain uh, things on that. No, I don't want any order responses to go. I want uh, to be able to uh, mm. see and I'll manually respond to each of those. Okay. As an employer, you have a choice when you receive a request or something else. Uh, is uh, uh, do I want to? What do I want to share? As a company, you may have a policy that I may give out the role of the person, I may give out the tenure of the person, behavior of the person, but I'll not give out the exact salary or the designation or the reporting manager. Uh, so you can set up these rules that what only requirement of a, a ecosystem is that it's it's reciprocity. What you are willing to give is what you can get. Mm. So it's something like if, if you are not ready to give read receipts to others, then you will not get read receipts from others. If you are not willing to give salary data, if somebody is trying to do a background verification, that when you raise a background verification request, you can ask. You cannot ask for the salary verification data. Mm. So those are the basic uh, rules into that thing. And if you look at it, even the usual web uh, is also basically running on a protocol. There's a HTTP protocol where you're going to receive the request in your server, and you are going to make a response based on the request that has come out. It's similar. It's, it has not changed significantly. Uh, in this world, it's just that uh, 
the kind of protocols that are there are slightly different on this the way uh, it would be built on a distributed uh, ecosystem okay uh next question is around the business uh so like you said you are uh, the example you took about uh, telecom where they for the first two three years they just link the wares to connect the system and then it will work so uh but still there has to be immediate usability where you can you can see the uh, cash flows and be operative as a business so can you tell us uh, what are the immediate uh, revenue streams for you and uh, what is the traction you have got uh, as a business so far so as i told some of those use cases would always be related to what already exists so if you're building mm -hmm. a network uh, uh, first of all i do not say that it is necessary that you have to have uh, something uh, as a revenue on the first day itself. We are mm -hmm. building a factory, you are going to build a factory. You're mm -hmm. going to start production. It's not necessary that you'll be able to produce revenue on the day one just because you started a business. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, uh, there are different kind of businesses, I'll put it out that way. So in software business also, I'll put it something is which is a network effects based business mm -hmm. and something which is purely a services business that I created a service and you start using that. A purely a services business also has a lead time uh, to reach mm. to a certain place because as the system is maturing, you'll start getting more and more, uh, say, functionalities into it and the reason for people to switch to your system. If you're in an absolutely brand new market and there are some things that happen, uh, then it's okay. I think you can start doing otherwise. Otherwise, initially, uh, the approach for a services, uh, a software services kind of business would be that be be frugal and try to make sure that you outlast uh, the time that is required to build the system which is minimal lovable by your customers in a sense so once you've reached that stage you can get to that something which is a network effect based business that requires you to reach a certain level of network before uh, mm -hmm. the economics really start making sense on that yeah. so a lot of confusion that happens i, I believe is uh, we start thinking that oh we are in tech business uh, which is very very service oriented business but uh, uh, but you expect that oh i can afford to not make money for a very long period of time and i can still go ahead and the businesses which are very network effect business and there you try to think of it oh let me try to earn profit uh, even before the network has reached any kind of uh, tipping point uh, that is there so both of those are different if you're uh, understand this, uh, then it, it's very easy. Now, I can give you an example uh, sure. from a previous startup, let's say. Sure. Uh, now, we, we, Nestor is a platform. Let's say there are owners and there are tenants. Over a period mm. of time, uh, if the number of owners are increasing, then there's a value for the tenants are increasing. If the number of mm. tenants are increasing, the value for the owners are increasing. And right. It is, And as both of them are increasing, maybe there are more service providers who are joining the network in terms of for providing, say, electrician, plumber, carpenter, all those things to provide right. services to the homes. Because more of these people are joining, then uh, there are other services which are going to become easier that you can provide. And as you are going ahead, there's a data that is getting captured about the house over a period of time. What kind of maintenance has gone into the house? What are the problems that are there in the house? Let's say there's an area where there's water deficiency. Now you can get to know that there's a place where the water is not. And it starts getting factored into the rent that is there. Because there's a because first day when the house comes on the platform, you will not really know the problem. 
So this is very network oriented business and you need uh, to scale, but there's a very geographic centric network. Mm. Uh, like we having multiple houses in Bangalore and mm. somebody looking houses in Bangalore is not going to help us in any way in NCR. You know, there are very right. small amount of network effect that play into picture is like I am somebody who has a house in Gurgaon, but I live in Bangalore. Mm. Then if I have used Nestway service in Bangalore, I may look like uh, putting my Gurgaon house on certain uh, uh, Nestway. But otherwise, uh, the network effect across geographies are very, very limited. So you have to have a geographically scaling up. It's basically building multiple networks at the same time, which is build Bangalore network, build, uh, unfortunately in real estate it becomes even smaller that it's a uh, build maybe a South Bangalore network, because if my job is in South Bangalore, there's a certain mm-hmm. region beyond which I'm not going to go. Yeah. Versus let's say there's a co-living business, which is, which is, uh, uh, we have taken an entire building, we have taken it on lease and then we are subleasing to. Uh, various tenants were going to come into picture. Nest we had mm-hmm. a subsidiary called Hello World, which was doing this, which has recently been acquired by Orem Proptic. Okay. So now that's uh, the network effects there are lesser. I can go and take a, a business uh, or a building on rent from some owner, mm-hmm. and uh, in an area it's relatively easy to find a large scale building. There is going to be a reception there where. If you go there, the property manager already exists there. Mm. So uh, the dynamics of these businesses, two businesses are going to be very, very different. Mm. Uh, one business can aim for profitability and can aim for uh, unit economic profitability from very early on. Another business requires it to have a certain amount of scale where uh, right. it goes. And once we understand this, I think we can make optimal choices for which kind of a business it is and what mm. would be the right metrics to judge this kind of a business. Okay. Okay. Speaking of Nestaway, uh, I would love to understand uh, what led to the transition uh, from a real estate uh, kind of business to a technology first business. So the, uh, I don't think we see it in terms of uh, technology that way. Before uh, Nestway, I was in uh, FinTech. So Citrus mm-hmm. Pay was a payment gateway and we okay. were trying to create a payment. We were building a payment gateway, then a payment wallet okay. and uh, various things. So that there are problem statements, like the core problems uh, mm-hmm. are there that you would want to solve. Okay. Uh, these problems are in different fields altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're changing uh, the domain, uh, mm-hmm. or changing the technology skills that you have, okay. then it's a problem. Like changing everything at the same time is slightly difficult. But if you're changing, mm-hmm. let's say you're changing just the domain, but your skill set is very much similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you're trying to see that I, I know, I understand a problem that exists and I've learned how to work on a problem and to scale it. Unfortunately or fortunately, whatever you call it, these are very different kind of businesses also, not just domains have changed for me. Mm. Uh, there have been like, uh, Citrus Pay was a very B2B business. Mm. Then uh, Nestway was a B2C business. Now right. we are into a B2B2B or B2B2C business because we are first yeah. working with the uh, system providers, the tools, and mm. then they are further working with the businesses or consumers. So uh, the kind of businesses also have changed. Uh, I think the domains also have changed from mm. finance to say real estate to now, right now in HR kind of space. Mm. Uh, but I think the core uh, when you're building a startup is something which is very different. 
which is at, at a very basic level it's just uh, the faith the mm. uh, that oh there is a problem that need to be solved and i want to solve this so mm. as a entrepreneur you do not take a lot of these things into consideration because the kind of problem that really really inspire you to do something may mm. not necessarily fall into the area where you already have an expertise all the chances of that is high because okay. if you are already in the cutting edge of something the chances of you discovering more problems mm. is is uh, very high so the mm. chances of you discovering something in the area where you already have expertise or where you already gone deep mm. uh, is very high like i'll give an example of jitain gupta who's founder of satraspay now he's founder of jupiter money Okay. So, uh, in the finance ecosystem, because uh, he he understands the ecosystem so well, uh, mm. because of his own experiences and his investments and his speaking to so many other people, uh, mm. the chances of him finding problems in finance area or in the, that space is very very high. He keep discovering new because he's already at cutting edge. Okay. So, that. so it's always good if you stay in the same area uh, or domain wise, and because you can keep going on. but then what calls you is a very different kind of problem statement for me it just happened to be the the things that are that were brewing in the say background happened to be in very different kind of spaces mm-hmm. okay uh you started as a engineer and uh, i think you worked for uh, some investment banks and uh, global banks initially and then slowly if, if i were to look at your career graph you have gravitated towards entrepreneurship uh, first joining a, a startup as a founding member and then becoming a founder so can you tell us what is that uh, trigger or what is that drive within you which you know drives you to um, come to this path and be an entrepreneur uh, i think uh... I am not sure whose was this. It was just in Moscow, which I think we in one of the talks that I had seen on YouTube was uh, that why do you start up something? You don't start up something because you are going to be your own boss. No, it's it's something like uh, your customer is your boss, your employee is your boss, your investors are your boss. It's very different. It's not uh, it's not exactly how why you do something largely is because it reaches a time where you say uh, I cannot not do it. Thing. that something has been brewing in the background and it reaches a certain stage and you say oh nobody is doing anything why not i only do it so mm. for me payment gateways was that kind of a thing because i was working for world pay which is a payment gateway in mm. during uh, rbs time and india's uh, say e-commerce was really taking off 2008 9 10 around that kind of time mm. so uh, and there was a lot of problem statements that we were hearing that in terms of uh, uh, what are the kind of issues payment gateways are and how payment gateways or payment technology can be better for mm-hmm. e-commerce to really happen and other things so that was a place where i said oh i that was in fact if you look at that was a place where i had the skill and i was looking okay let's do it for the indian market why not uh, do it and and i was trying to really get a internship with one of the payment gateways okay. uh, so that i can understand the business before i take a dive into it And mm-hmm. during that time, I just happened to meet uh, founder of Jupiter. And now again, uh, here it was like I could think of it was okay. Why not join forces with somebody or like work in the same place? 
it was not about ownership that i am the founder of this company that's why i should be doing this uh, or why not i start up even gateway of my own you, you relate to a problem and you said this is a team which is trying to solve a problem uh, definitely that that works for me i want to work for this team okay uh, at a later stage uh, we reached a stage where i think uh, citrus grew up to a certain place and uh, and and it so uh, during payment gateway phase i'll put it out as i didn't change the domain i changed okay. the function for myself from being a software engineer and designer i went into business operations mm. starting it from uh, very very early days of citrus pay Mm-hmm. Uh, the second stage was where you have learned the skills of probably scaling up a business. Now you mm-hmm. are also going back to other set of your problems that you have always faced in, like mm-hmm. we all moved to cities uh, for for after graduation and yeah. uh, all of these knowledge uh, job hubs were in Chennai, Bangalore, mm-hmm. Hyderabad, uh, Pune maybe, and uh, there was a lot of housing problem in that. All of us lived in. area mm. like all of us took houses together or we lived in pgs or we to five or six or three or us will get together take a house and then we'll try to live together and we knew what were the kind of problems that were happening in that we just realized that those problems are not even solved till the time uh, 2014 also i think 2014 mm. is uh, when, when the initial stages of nest we were happening so this was a problem statement which you had faced as a user and mm. you had acquired skills as a as a, a founding member of another startup so now you had two things in place you know a problem statement that bothers you you think you can do something about it and second was we have acquired some skills so you said let me put my skills to use and you start working on that uh, fortunately mm. it works out and it turns out that we can scale it on that third time it was a different problem statement now uh, during citrus uh, next two days now we have a different so uh, renting is a lending of assets business mm. like uh, lending of money is happening in the finance world lending of assets is the renting ecosystem that i am lending my asset to somebody and the interest is the rent that you pay and at the end of the day you are going to pay back the principal to me which is the asset itself mm. that's lending uh, renting business mm. but now lend, lending of assets business do not have a credit bureau mm. do not have a centralized kyc how do right. you make such a lending business work without the structural elements being present mm. so you have to have the structural elements present uh, for this work so the problem statement was now now there were skills that you had acquired over working for mm. uh, two startups and there's a problem statement which was bothering you in your current startup which was nestway where if there was tenants who were leaving without paying and that was actually putting a burden on a lot of good tenants the bad tenants are uh, say not paying rent and because we were doing taking this two months of security deposit that was putting pressure on a lot of other areas in that our owners were not returning the security deposits which was given to that according to, i mean there's a lot of uh, this popular perception nestway has not paid back the deposit etc but generally nestway would have paid the deposit to owner and owner had to pay it back and that did not happen so so now for this network where and why it worked was because i can move on in life and and this was not a problem just of nestway it was a problem of bike rental people mm. were parking the bikes on the bridges over right. flyovers and were putting them in some ditches were taking away the helmets was problem was in the furniture rental space where i know is this yeah. friend of mine who's uh, furniture was given to him and that person just told the security guys don't allow this people to come in <laughs> so there's a thief basically has taken the the furniture of a company he is not returning that and the security of the apartment complex is actually helping him 
okay uh, that was the kind of state that we are looking at so mm. now we said how do we build a system which can be and if we can build a system where all these intel systems can talk to each other mm. uh, then you can create a network and then such a distributed credit bureau can exist which is where we started with repute unfortunately as soon as we started and we built the by the time we could build the product uh, i think uh, pandemic was in full force yeah. and all the rental companies were in bad state uh, mm. so they were more worried about surviving than probably adding more to it so at that stage uh, fortunately for us we were also doing a couple of other pilots one mm. of those pilots was in the talent space and it was working well so we just scaled that up okay uh i think we have exhausted our time limit uh just one more question for you uh what sure. would you say is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how would you define the term entrepreneur how do we define the term entrepreneur uh, it's a desire to do something when even when you are beginning you know you don't have the resources or your logic does not really tell you that uh this can be done or this not not everything is put in place i'll put it that way so mm. that there is a desire that such a such a world should exist when you have such a desire you mm. and that world existence your will to create that world is not uh, dependent on what resources you have what uh logic is saying to you how to, uh, if you have figured out how you will overcome all the other obstacles in trying to make it happen uh i think uh, that is entrepreneurship where your desire to make that happen is stronger than all the possible obstacles uh, that you can see when you are starting out if you can still do it uh, you are not and you'll be able to do something about it if if that uh, bothers you and you don't get started i mean 99% of the people would be in that state where they feel it's way more difficult than what actually it is uh, so as they say about technology especially it's like when you are seeing it up front uh, you will overestimate things uh, in short term you will grossly overestimate in long term uh, you will grossly underestimate right so that that's i feel that is uh, both sides that is for problems as well as opportunities well uh, we have come to the end of the session thanks for your time deepak and it was our honor to have you on the platform thank you very much prem it was nice to be here uh, loved our conversation wish you the very best thank you